Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in just a few minutes, a new scandal enveloping the Veterans Administration. Veterans that have so given up, you're not going to believe what's going on right now. This is a scandal that must be addressed. And coming up later, there's a way to save money on travel that the travel industry hates, hates, hates. I want to fill you in on how huge the savings can be and what you need to know to defeat the airlines at their own nasty game. I want to talk right now about a problem going on with your personal information. In an investigation broken by the Wall Street Journal Thursday night of last week, several apps were taking extremely sensitive personal information of yours and immediately transmitting it to Facebook so that it could then be used for targeted solicitations and ads. Now, the worst part of this is this was happening to people who aren't even on Facebook. But Facebook allegedly has deep profiles on us even if we are not active participants or participants at all on Facebook. So how specific is the information that the Wall Street Journal discovered apps were sharing with Facebook? Well, how about they were sharing things like your current blood pressure, if you're using any kind of health apps in the medical field. They were sharing um, when women were having that t- the time of the month. And the database on that is 20 plus million women strong that they are able to track your cycles based on things you might be posting or doing on apps. Uh, Whether or not a woman is pregnant in order to target market to her and various other health issues that should be private. You know, I think about how there's this federal law that is just an uh, really an aggravation where you have to do the HIPAA forms every time you go to a doctor's office, that there are all these rules that doctors and hospitals and labs and medical providers are under about your personal information, and then the apps and social media are taking your personal medical information and sharing it willy-nilly however they wish. Now, after the Wall Street Journal named names of various apps, and there were 11 really popular ones by themselves, that tens of millions of people's personal information were being uh, shared with Facebook as a way of generating revenue across both the apps and for Facebook. Over the weekend, several apps worked hard to stop sharing the information to try to get ahead of the story. But as far as I'm concerned, the damage has already been done. Uh, there, were, uh, there were so many different apps. I think at Clark.com, in our follow-up on this, 
we should publish the apps that you may be using. And one of the areas of weakness here was Apple has worked specifically to try to protect the privacy of its users. And people who use iPhones were just as vulnerable as people who use Androids. That there was direct sharing of personal private information. And these were not just health apps. There were so many different areas where apps were sharing your information, including real estate sites and uh, a variety of sites that will come out probably through this week who've been sharing your information. The reality is we in the United States have failed to provide proper consumer protections and privacy protections involving the digital era. And other places in the world are so far ahead of us on this, including the European standard, which is really uh, the gold standard in the world about how to protect individuals' privacy, where you even have the right in Europe to be forgotten if you're not a public figure that your information cannot be found from a Google search or any other kind of search, that your information is suppressed, the industry knows how to do so, and in addition, in Europe there is a uh, protocol for personal privacy involving the things you do online, on your laptop, on your tablet, and on your phone, and none of this has happened in the United States because other than the state of California, which has rules going into effect in two years, none of this has happened because you know Washington now only listens to the drumbeat of the people who give them money in industry. It is a sad chapter in American history that the wishes of the American people are ignored, and only the interests of wealthy influentials at big companies are listened to and kowtowed to. And we have got to, in the United States, be given control over our personal information. Try to imagine how ridiculous it is that even people who don't have any kind of Facebook profile, any presence with Facebook before, now, or ever, are being tracked anyway Without your knowledge, permission, consent, whatever. That is wrong, wrong, wrong. Andrea is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Andrea. What did I do wrong? Andrea is not there. Let's talk to Brian. Brian, welcome to the Clark Howard Show. Thanks, Clark. Brian, how can I serve you today? Sure, Clark. Uh, I was just wondering, if somebody's making a concerted effort to pay off their mortgage early, um, let's say at the rate of um, an additional principal of, uh, of the mortgage per month on a routine basis, wow. would, that have, would that have a positive effect on their credit score? And if so, um, by the same token, once the mortgage was satisfied, would you begin to see any sort of negative effect on your credit score? All right. Now, I love the question on both parts. So first, let me deal with making additional principal payments. That by itself does nothing for your credit. 
because all you're being tracked for on your mortgage is are you paying as agreed. And as long as you're doing that, the way it's reported to a credit bureau, even with additional principal payments, that's not information transmitted to a credit bureau that then forms the basis of your score. All they're reporting is that you made your payment on time again this month and through the months. On the other hand, when you finish paying off your mortgage, over time, the fact that your various credit lines are are not as many, not as many types, will have a small, insignificant effect on your credit score. Let me give you a, a sense of this. I haven't had a mortgage in forever, and no car loans. The only type of credit I have outstanding is credit cards, but I maintain a credit score in the upper 700s to low 800s, depending on the monthly report. And so even though I don't have the variety of types of credit, which keep me from likely ever having a perfect 850 score, I don't need an 850 score. You know, if you're upper 700s or above, there's any loan product you want pretty much you're eligible for. Sure. Can I ask you another question about you, though? Yeah. All right. So with, um, with you having the double payments many months on your mortgage, is there mm-hmm. anything that I would want you to be doing in your life that you're sacrificing because you're making double payments on your mortgage? Yeah, I would say not. Um, uh, my situation is I'm in my mid-50s, and there's a potential with the accelerated rate that I'm on that I could have my house paid off by age 60, which also could potentially afford me an early retirement pending situation at that time. And so uh, that's the rationale for accelerating the payments, because if I get to the point where I'm 60 and I have the opportunity to retire, I'd like to have no uh, outstanding debt, and that would give me the freedom to make that choice if I do so. Um, And I'm also currently maximizing all my retirement vehicles. Okay, you're doing Um, everything. All right, you're doing a great job. (laughs) And it's going to be outstanding that you're going to go into retirement debt-free. To have that plus that you're maxing out saving and retirement accounts, you're doing everything. See, I thought I was going to be in that conversation with you about, well, it's great you're paying off your mortgage, but I'd like you to save more money for retirement. You're doing that to the max? Uh, Gosh, I'd say you have a perfect score. Andrea's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Clark. How are you today? Great. Thank you, Andrea. How can I serve you? Um, First, I just want to say uh, thank you and your team for what you do, and I appreciate you taking my call today. Certainly. Um, So I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and he mentioned that it's his turn to host his family reunion, and he started talking about getting a block of hotel rooms. And I'd never done this before, but I always thought when you get a hotel room, get a block of rooms, that it was cheaper. But the prices that he was mentioning to me sounded like regular prices. So after having listened to you, and I don't know if you've actually addressed this particular question before, but I figured you might have some uh, budget-friendly suggestions on how to save on hotel rooms for large groups. Yeah, so hotels and airlines both charge groups more money than they charge individuals. Oh, okay. So it's part of how the industry works that you think that, uh, that a group 
because of its size would be getting a better deal, but a group Mm -hmm. is really looked at as a captive and is charged higher prices. So it's not at all unusual like for conventions. They'll say, use this meeting and convention code for our meeting, and it'll get you our meeting rate. Well, I've found over the years, because I attend a lot of meetings and conventions, that I at the same exact property that the meeting or convention is at, I get a much lower price booking as an individual than I do as part of the group. Okay. And the reason is the hotel is taking a risk. They're taking a block of their rooms, no longer having them available for sale, giving a period of time where they block that space, and then if the group ends up being not as large as originally expected, the hotel then may get stuck with unsold room nights. So it's like paying for an option on the right to have those rooms, and the way you pay for that option is by paying significantly more per night than you would as an individual. Oh, okay. How many many rooms are we looking at for this reunion? About 35 rooms. Okay. So what I would tell you is that, and this is your cousin you're advising? It's a friend. Friend? friend, Yeah. All right. So I would say to your friend that if you want to do a block of rooms, do it where the rooms can be released up to a certain date that's reasonable up to the time of the event and just let people know, hey, there may be cheaper rates available in the area, but this is what we have so that we can all be together. Okay. So that people don't think that booking the group is cheaper, but there's a real value when you're getting together for any kind of reunion for everybody to be able to come down to the lobby or hang out in people's rooms or whatever and really spend time together but there's a cost to that yeah okay so it is funny because with any kind of travel there is this automatic assumption that a group rate of some kind is cheaper but almost 100 percent of the time significantly more expensive we have a scandal going on in the united states that's failing to get enough attention and that is how we are dissing our veterans. You know, roughly two out of three veterans get their medical care from the Veterans Administration. And unfortunately, the we, I, I was going to say the, but it's we, the American people, are failing and are promised our veterans who have served us so heroically and bravely through many wars and also in various non-declared conflicts. And there is a problem right now where veterans suffering from mental illness, particularly PTSD, are not getting the care they need. So much so, it's led to a terrible protest movement that tears at my heart, and that's veterans that are committing suicide in the parking lots of VA centers. And it looks like about... One to two people a month right now, closer to two people a month, have been doing so over the last year as a sign of protest. And that's just a tiny, tiny hint of the number of veterans that are giving up and taking their own lives. We need to, in this country, honor our commitment 
to our brave men and women who serve our country, and we need to take care of them. And I know a lot of politicians paying lip service to the sacrifice of men and women in the U.S. military, but we need to do more than talk a good game. We need to deliver the care that they earned and they deserved as they made sacrifices for your and my freedom. If we've not been in war, we can't even begin to imagine how that would mess with you, the things that you would experience in a combat zone. And we need to address those issues that these men and women suffer, and we need to do so with respect and on a timely basis, and that is not happening right now. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our web address, clark.com. We have a section of clarkdeals.com, our other website, where we talk about ways to save money on all different kinds of things. And a very popular section is about saving money on travel. Well, there's a technique that we explain to you on Clark and Clark Deals called Hidden City Fares, if you're flying somewhere, where airlines have what are known in the industry as fortress hubs, where because they're dominant so much in a particular city that they charge much, much, much higher fares if you're going from somewhere to one of those hub cities and like United in Chicago or American in Dallas or American in Charlotte or Delta in Atlanta uh, would be just three examples of the way the three full fare airlines gouge people in the cities where they dominate because they can with so much market share. But most people that are flying on American, United, and Delta through one of their hubs, or just changing planes there and going on somewhere else where there's far more competition. So fares are much lower, usually, to the third city than they are to where you're actually flying. So let's say you were going from, oh, let me think of an example that would work. Let's say you're going from Detroit to Dallas the fare may be much, much higher than the fare from Detroit to New Orleans changing planes in Dallas. So what people will do and have done for many, many years is they buy a one-way ticket to New Orleans changing planes in Dallas and they just walk off the plane in Dallas and don't take the connecting flight. Well, the airlines are increasingly unhappy about this because they want to get the money they can make for somebody flying to the hub. It is not against the law to do this, but it does violate the rules that the airline has. And as an example, if you put in your frequent flyer number, you may find that those miles you have in your account suddenly are reduced to zero as punishment for violating the airline's rules. Lufthansa just took it a step further and sued a passenger first time it's ever happened as best anybody knows anywhere in the world, sued a passenger for doing a hidden city fare and now wants the fare difference plus 
thousands of dollars in penalties, saying that it violates their terms for a customer. The courts will decide. But the reality is it's just a symbolic move by United to try to create fear in people. So here's the thing. If you use the website Skip Lagged, I'm looking at a flight right now that I have to take in April, and the flight booking on one of these airlines, booking it as I'm actually intending to fly, is $407 one way. But if I book the flight as a hidden city fare, it drops to $205 one way. That's a pretty significant difference. The thing is, though, I can't even take a normal carry-on bag because if it's taken away at the gate, somebody with no status, the bag will go to where I was flying. So I have to go with a micro carry-on. I also can't put in my frequent flyer number or, in fact, my account might be zeroed out. But I want to make it clear this is not illegal. It is a tactic. It's a strategy and people use it routinely. You can only use it for one-way flights, and the flight you don't take has to be your second one, never your first one. Because if you no-show for the first flight, the airline is going to put you in their system as what some airlines call an NS status, no-show status, and they cancel the rest of your reservation. But as a tactic, it is stunning when you see how much money you can save, and I leave it to you to decide... If you want to do Hidden City, and no, again, no matter what anybody in an airline tells you, and Lufthansa will find out through the courts, this is not an illegal act. It is a choice that people make, just as the airlines have chosen to gouge people in their dominant hubs in comparison to what they offer somebody flying further. Think of it. Somebody could take a 500-mile flight and pay three times what somebody pays going on an 800-mile flight involving a plane change. So that's the deal. You want to know more about how hidden cities work and how to do them the right way, we have that for you on our websites. Ed is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ed. How are you? Hi, Clark. Uh, So good to talk with you. Well, great having you here. You have a question for me that is one that has grown mightily in interest in the last two years. What's the scoop? Well, absolutely. Uh, you know, when you, I often want to repay a friend or a relative when we go out to dinner or maybe uh, for a gift that we're splitting the cost on. or I just want to send money to someone. But the problem is I don't have the correct change. I don't have my checkbook. Or the person may not even live close by and it's a hassle to mail it. Or they hate cash. I, Exactly, exactly. So I guess my question is, do you have a suggestion for a service or an app that's safe, secure, convenient, easy to use by both parties, and hopefully does not charge a fee? Okay, so there are three that are really prominent in the marketplace. The most well-known is Venmo, V-E-N-M-O. Okay, Venmo. And if you use Venmo... Use it to send money to a friend only. There are some con artists on, uh, popping up on Craigslist, eBay, that are trying to get people to pay them over Venmo. But the problem is, is if you pay an unknown entity on Venmo, and let's say they never 
supply you with the merchandise or it turned out there was no merchandise at all, you have no way to get your money back. This is only a method of being able to pay friends or family free with Venmo as the biggest. Venmo is now owned by PayPal that also has its own payment platform that if you already have a PayPal account, it's called PayPal Personal, which is not a very exciting name, but it's set up for you for free to send money to friends and family. Got it. And then the third one is, you ever heard of Square, which is an app that a lot of businesses use to take credit cards? Absolutely. So Square has their own called the Cash App, which you just go to cash.app and you'll see it. And they all work the same way. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Perfect. And I want to tell you there's a fourth one that I get questions about called Zelle. Z-E-L-L-E. And right. Zelle is owned by the banks. And banks and credit unions together push Zelle. But Zelle has had horrific problems with people losing money, being uh, having their money taken. And the banks just shrug their shoulders and say, tough on you. Our terms of service say everything is tough on you. So I strongly <laughs> advise people against using Zelle until Zelle establishes meaningful consumer protections for the public. Excellent. That's very good information. I'll give them the shot. All right. You have a great day. And um, if you are paying money to people that are in their teens and 20s and 30s, they're overwhelmingly the market share has moved to Venmo. That's where I'd set up an account. Preston's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Preston. Hello. Preston, you are already interested in saving money for your future, and you are how old? Fourteen. Fourteen. So, Preston, I'm going to send my 13-year-old son over to visit with you, and you can teach him the concept and idea of saving money instead of spending it. You think you could do that for me? Yeah, I'm kind of a not, not a big spender myself. I've always been keen on saving money. Well, that is fantastic. How can I help you with that? Well, I have been considering opening a Roth IRA recently, and, well, I currently don't have, like, a quote-unquote job, but my parents are planning to, like, pay me for, like, chores over the summer, so is there a certain way, like, I could get a Roth IRA for that? So if you're paid to do actual... um work that they would have had to pay somebody else to do, then that can work. And you have to report that you've earned the money, and then you're eligible to do a Roth. And so whatever they would pay you, as long as it's for uh, what would be considered to be actual work, the money that they paid you, you can put into a Roth. Okay. And the neat thing with the Roth is that with Fidelity Investments and Charles Schwab now, you can open a Roth as a minor child, you know, somebody under, depending on the state, 18 or 21, you can do that at with no minimum. So if you end up earning a few hundred dollars this summer and you want to open a Roth, you're fine with either of them to do it at no cost. So your parents have to fill out the paperwork 
And one of them has to be what's known as your custodian, which is they're the adult responsible for what happens with your account. And then once you are legally an adult, again, 18 or 21, depending on the state, the account is then yours to have and to manage. Gotcha. So, yeah, most of my, all my money is currently parked at a credit union that pays like 0.01%. So. Right. Well, that you got to fix. That you can, your parents can, should be able to fix now because there are a number of online banks that are paying around on savings 2 plus percent. 2.25. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But many of them will not allow someone under 18 to open an account even with a parent as a custodian. So some will and some won't. But if it's money you're looking at putting aside for a long time, then I don't want you in savings accounts anyway at a credit union, online bank, whatever. I want you to invest the money. And it's really, really easy to do with Schwab and Fidelity. And the fact they have no minimum now makes it so easy for you to get started. Okay. Well, if... Like, do I have to report it to, like, the IRS or something, and how would that work? Well, up to a certain income, and I don't remember the amount for this year, you won't have to file a return if your income's low enough, but it's a good idea to do so anyway, just so there's a record that you reported the income that ties exactly back to what you put into the Roth IRA. And, okay. and remember, you want to do a Roth, not a traditional IRA. Yes, I've listened to you for a long time, and you've said that that's superior to other things. So, so yeah. I, need, I need to send you out and have you do seminars at high schools for your fellow students on saving money. Are you eighth or ninth grade? Uh, I'm eighth. Eighth grade. So... I mean, you know, you understand more about this than most adults, which is really great. Yeah, you're probably my favorite radio show to listen to, well, regardless of anything else. Well, well, I appreciate that. And there are people who may think that's dull at this point, but there will come a time not too far in your future where people will start come asking you for advice. I remember my oldest daughter was in an economics class in college and there was some question that came up and she raised her hand and started talking about the advantages of a Roth IRA and class ends and the students are like, what is that thing you were talking about and how do you know about it? And the earlier you know and the more you understand, the better it is because it takes you in control of your future and Preston, no doubt, you will have a very solid, exciting financial future in front of you. In terms of whether you should open that at Fidelity or Schwab, I would say they're both great companies. Whichever is closer to where you live, where I'd like you to go in to one of their offices with one of your parents and experience opening that account right there in person. It'll feel so much more real to you. Bob is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Bob. Hello, Clark. Very nice to talk to you today. Well, great to have you here. How can I be of service to you? Well, I live in a rural area, and we do not have access to cable. We do use satellite services, 
And it seems as though the satellite providers don't really appreciate our business after all these years. All they want to do is keep increasing the price while they offer all kinds of discounts to those that are new customers. So I noticed uh, on the Internet several times over the last few weeks a product, it's a gadget, that you plug into your wall and you plug your TV antenna, uh, antenna, you plug a cord into this thing in the wall and you plug it into the antenna slot on your TV. And it's supposed to give you, you know, 14 million channels or whatever it is using your household wiring as the antenna. It sounds, it sounds. (laughs) So you live in a rural area. You're probably used to those piles that cows may lay. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's exactly what I thought. It sounded too good to be true, but on the other hand, it sounded like it might be somewhat feasible. You should see uh, the complaints about this online. I mean, yeah. it's like universal. There's not one person saying a nice thing about this. So how much is it, by the way? I didn't know that. Uh, it's uh, thirty nine ninety five for one, and of course you get a dis- discount if you buy two. What's funny, I mean, that's discount. not a tremendous <laughs> amount of money for people to be so unbelievably angry, but all they're pitching is uh, an antenna that you use for your TV to pick up signals that you can pick up in a local area. Well, if you live in an extremely rural area, you're not going to pick up TV channels from a metro. How far are you from the closest metro area? Um, probably, well, we would be equidistant between where you are and uh, Greenville, South Carolina. Okay, so you are somewhere up I-85 somewhere, I guess. Yes, that is right, yeah, all right, right so, on the South Carolina line. All right, so you may find that you would need a rooftop antenna like going back to 1965, to be able to pick up local channels. But you very well might be able to, and I want to give you a website where you can put in your exact zip code and see whether or not you could benefit from an antenna to pick up free programming, and that's antennasdirect.com, antennasdirect. But the other thing with the satellite players, you got to know my two-year rule. Every two years switch from DirecTV to DISH or from DISH to DirecTV, then you get the new subscriber discounts every time. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.